Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to another episode of Wrestling Around. And this week, we are going to... The beginning of the Attitude Era, really, we'll go into uh, Unforgiven in Your House, 1998. But before we get into the pay-per-view, joining me is Lou Markham. Lou, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. I would like to um, extend my heartfelt apologies to the, the good people of, of Ashburn, uh, Virginia. Um, sorry, serious moment. Can we just have a serious moment, please? A moment Last silence, week. A moment's silence, maybe, do you think? I don't you know. No one died. <laughs> just our credibility. Just about last week, I erroneously referred to the the great town, great town of Ashburn, Virginia, as Aspen, Georgia, seventy eight times throughout the course of the episode. Seventy eight, um, possibly around that time. Yeah, I think I counted it. Bloody hell! Uh, I just like to apologise to the great people of Ashburn, Virginia, and a nice big fuck you to the people of Ashburn, Georgia, because no one's listened in Ashburn, Georgia. Nobody at all. Outrageous. Yeah, like getting all like credit last week. Deserve none of it. Ashford, Virginia. Um, my default, you know, strongest apologies, and um, we'll send you a signed autograph of uh, a Terry Peters uh, if you get in touch with us by way of apology. Yeah, let us know where you live, and we will get that sent out to you. Signed photograph of Terry Peters in whatever pose you would like him in. Yep. No. Um, no restrictions. Speaking of Terry Peters, Terry Peters also joins us. <laughs> How are you doing, Peters? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm a bit worried about what may happen now after that, to be fair. But yeah, all good. Thank you. Good stuff. Um, no insect-related incidents this week? No, no, free. It's been a bit cooler this week, so no wasps about. Everything's fine. Windows have been firmly closed. Or closed closer than they were anyway. It wasn't like a beetle who held you hostage with a gun or something, was there? <laughs> no, no. I can deal with most other things. Like I say, it's just a bloody wasp, isn't it? Send a Paul, Paul McCartney walking in. Centipede, commit burglary or something? <laughs> nah, they don't, they don't bother me. Something right. that, that can sting me does bother me. What would you pick, a bee or a wasp? Oh, bee. Bee? bee. Bees are nice. You can save them with sugar water. You'd help, you'd help a wasp, but it'd still fucking sting you. Value a member of society, being it. You know, it's yeah, got a job, exactly. does, it, does its bits. Wasp are uh, 
anyway, what's a first on wrestling around? What's first wrestling around apology? <laughs> Which, um, you know, surprisingly only took us what six weeks. <laughs> There's nearly enough one, but obviously our, our lawyers got involved and cut out uh, something else I'd said last week, <laughs> which we got we won't repeat. So there was nearly yeah, a second yeah. apology and a um, a large sum of money going to the family of one professional wrestler we discussed last week. But, but luckily the, the lawyers, it did the lawyers got involved. And the it, shutting down of this podcast good yeah. after that. It did fall into absolute anarchy, didn't it, last week? So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, moving on, the wrestling around pod, we grow every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I was gonna say, another first. Terry Peters doesn't like wasps. <laughs> right, wrestling. That's why people are here. <laughs> I think. Unforgiven, nineteen ninety-eight. This is the first pay-per-view after WrestleMania, where Stone Cold wins his wins the title against uh, Shawn Michaels. Terry Peters. Before we actually do a deep dive, what was your initial thoughts? Was you excited to watch it beforehand? I was excited to watch it beforehand, and then, as we'll get to, I was quite disappointed. Although there was a couple of matches in there which I did did enjoy, to be fair, but on the most part, I was quite disappointed. Disappointed? With the hell are you? What's going on there? Just cracking up a cold one with my luchador bottle of There you go, wrestling. Everything's wrestling related in this. Everything's <laughs> wrestling related. Lou, he was obviously a big WCW fan, as you, you've not tried to hide. Yes, I was. What was your thoughts before you watched it on this area? Because obviously it was going head-to-head at this point. Was you excited yeah, to see what I was looked, up against? I looked at the card. This was, yeah, so this is around the time that WWF were just about... I think WCW was probably still ahead in the ratings battle at this point. Yeah, the WWF are trying new things at this point. Obviously, we've got you know, gimmick matches. and There's one thing I don't like. It's like a ridiculous gimmick match. And you know, Inferno match maybe a bit bit too far. Maybe make that like a Tower Doom match, something like that. And just, yeah, well, that would have been a lot better, would it? That would have been a lot better, yeah. I think right. Tower Doom match would. <laughs> but no, I was quite I was quite excited for it. I think this is just so the last the last show we watched was like just at the end of of watching wrestling for me in my first spell of being a wrestling fan. I think this was just before the beginning. So at this point, I think I'd have been aware of what what was going on. Seen the occasional thing on Sky uh, when I was on holiday and whatnot, but I, I hadn't actually started watching it because I don't think Heat was on Channel Four at this point. So I, I did. The only exposure I really had to these this era in the past is kind of you know those highlight videos that you used to get, yeah, back in the day of like kind of showing you. So I'd seen a bit of like the dude love um, Cactus Jack and the Austin story. Everyone knows the Austin story, the the nation dominations we get into later on. But now it's quite an interesting uh, snapshot of like yeah the. As last as the was the end of the attitude era, um, this was the the beginning of it, so it was, it was quite interesting. Yeah, um, speaking of uh, us started our wrestling watching, I've been uh, specifically requested by a certain member of our family, and they know who they are, <laughs> to give them the credit for first letting us watch WCW at Ribby Hall in Blackpool. Yeah, was was that like ninety seven, ninety eight? Was it? Uh, it must have been around this time. It must have been around this time. I think it was ninety nine. I distinctly remember. Undertaker and Mankind going at it, but I can't remember why. But I'm placing it in the summer of 1998, so a couple of months after this, I think. Right, so I'm, I'm not going to say the name, because I know who they are. <laughs> but there you go, you had it now, so stop bloody badgering me. <laughs> right, let's get into the pay-per-view. 
Uh, so it went down on April 26, 1998. It was at the Greensboro Coliseum in North Carolina. Uh, there was 21,000 people in attendance. Uh, interestingly, really, because of the war going on at the time, North Carolina, very big NWA territory, mm-hmm. especially WCW. Hello, Greensboro Coliseum. Have you done your Have you done your research? Do you... <laughs> I've not actually. I've not done my research. I, I, sh- I should have done. I imagine it would have been quite good. Well, it is, a, le- it is a legendary. It's a legendary wrestling venue. Yeah. Yeah. So. So they said well famous in the commentary. Yeah, and then, and then followed loved it, it. And then followed it with North Kakalaki for some reason. Yeah, well, I think they, it was just like, let's take as many digs as to, uh, WCW as possible. But I would say Jim Ross is quite the, the historian and he was at those big events. I think there's a lot of star kids and, and similar. The, the big grand WCW pay-per-views are the NWA WCW pay-per-views at the time. Yeah. Um, it happened in this venue. So yeah, it's quite, quite a prestigious venue. It's not almost like the the Madison Square Garden of the South. Yeah. I think. Interestingly though, there's only been two WWE pay-per-views. Yeah. There was this this one that we're going to do now, Unforgiven, and then there was the uh, Survivor Series where WWF beat the Alliance. Ah, so that's, that's a nice yeah. touch, isn't it? Yeah, just end yeah. WCW in their home territory. Yeah, yeah. that's a right two fingers up to WCW, that, isn't it? Is, yeah, that, not pl- is that not classic WWE though? Just oh, always, well, yeah. always getting one over. Like the like WrestleMania 31 when DX beat the beat NWO, aren't they? Yeah, same there. They have done a stacked house show since. Yes, I remember that. That was when it came back, wasn't it? A couple of yeah. years ago. But yeah, um, for such a historic wrestling venue, WWF. Well, but it's not their territory, is it? Then Northern Ireland. No, they? they've got they've got the Garden, haven't they? For stuff yeah. like that. And the in modern days, the um, the Staples Center seems to be getting up there in some in terms yeah, of yeah. prestigiousness. And obviously the uh, the, arena. yeah, and the what's the one the one that Steve Austin loves, and he he fought the uh, he fought the fly there. Yeah, Rosemont Horizon in yeah. in Chicago. Right, so we well before we get into the pay per view, this is the first ever pay per view with the WWF scratch logo, but you'll notice further on that they didn't change it for the turnbuckles. No. <laughs> Still all, the old one. All the blimp. All the blimp. Oh, oh that blimp. WWF blimp. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to discuss the blimp now, Lou? Yeah, let's just. Why? Why was the blimp there? I, I just seen... had a phone number on the side. Yeah, yeah. I, I seem to remember it from the the era before this that it was quite big at the in your houses again, and I seem to remember it did have a phone number. I can't remember what it did, but on especially on the in your house one and two, I, I remember it being quite heavily featured randomly. Yeah. All oh, right. I go. did like the the whole setup of this show. They made, even though it was a basic, as a standard arena, they made it look massive. Like, one, because they're flying a fucking blimp through the middle of it. Well, yeah. And two, there was there was fans behind the stage as well. Um, 20,000 people there. Down. Yeah, 21, it was, 21, it was a really good setup. It Definitely. looked like a big event, even though it was just a house show. And the stage was nice. Well, not a house show, just a, just a B-show pay-per-view, sorry. Yeah, but this was the in-your-house, wasn't it? This was before the pay-per-views become proper yeah. pay-per-views, wasn't it? But it is 1998, uh, and we start off with an undertaker based Kane video package. Interestingly, they don't show the main event in the early video. It's all about Undertaker and Kane's Inferno match that's coming on. It's a little bit different from what we're used to from WWE. Tay Peters, what's your thoughts on the on the video package? To be fair, they have the dr- dramatic voiceover guy, and that's quite that is very much of that era, especially going forward. Because I've pay-per-views that I've seen from sort of early 2000, mid 2000, they have the same voice. And it very much reminded me of that. But I thought it was a really good uh, way to 
video to start the pay-per-view, to be honest with you. I thought it was quite good. Lou, your thoughts on it? A bit of a different sort of change of pace from what we're, we're used to. Yeah, with all due respect to Terry Peters, I've known him a, a long time, but he's wrong and here's why. It was just too cheesy for me. It just it just didn't... What was it? Like, this, it... It was almost like the start of like a, a Marvel film, and not the because I'm you know I'm currently watching all the Marvel films, but not I? like one not like one now, but like one back in like when bloody Adam West was Batman. Even though I know that's DC before everyone starts emailing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it felt like uh, it felt like around, a really cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it felt like a really like all abuse on Twitter. Like, hey man, like Batman was actually DC. <laughs> But no, um, it just felt like a bit. It was a bit cheesy for me. I, I don't know. It was a bit weird. Oh. It was. You could tell that they were transitioning from the whole ninety-five, ninety-six, early ninety-seven cheesy cartoon characters into this more serious, lifelike thingy. And it was almost like Kenny Undertaker and that whole storyline was kind of caught in the crossfire there. Yeah, yeah, for me, for me, it was a bit. It was almost. It, it felt tongue-in-cheek, even though it obviously wasn't meant to be. I thought it aged the show quite. Yeah quite a lot um so I, I just thought it was real strange i think this is one of the earliest pay-per-views i think i've, I've watched it was yeah you just thought it was real strange he introduced the main events which is something you don't see now so they said there's going to be an affair imagine like later on stone cold's going up against dude love yeah an odd way to start but then we get jerry lawler and uh jr over on are on commentary pretty standard for this time in, in wwf two-man booth Something you don't see a lot nowadays. But we get into the first match, and this is uh, a very young rock. He's leading the nation. So it's D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry, accompanied by uh, Kama Mustafa, <laughs> known as the Godfather to many people. He looked a lot like the Godfather. He was transitioning into the Godfather at yeah. this point, clearly, wasn't he? Yeah. This must have been just at the time before that happened, because it, it's not often that you hear him at this era called Kama Mustafa, is it? Yeah, uh, and they're taking on uh, the former leader of the Nation of Domination, Farouk. He will be teamed with the world's dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, and the lethal weapon, Steve Blackman, who at this point in uh, WWF, only one pinfall loss. Wow. That's his <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. That's why he's a lethal weapon. So, the Nation was obviously led by Farouk. The Rock sort of ousts him. He's a bit at the WrestleMania previously, where... Uh, the Rock is in a intercontinental title match with Ken Shamrock, and Ken Shamrock's got him in a the sharpshooter or the ankle lock, one of the submission holds. Yeah. Uh, Farouk laughs at him and says, "Get out of it on your own." Uh, the Rock taps but doesn't lose his belt because it gets overturned because Ken Shamrock holds on too long. I mean, the, yes, this is Vince Russo if you <laughs> if you're wondering. <laughs> and then on Raw. The Nation of Domination turn on Farouk, kick him out, beating him up a couple of times, and that's why we've got this six-man tag. Just, be- just before this, sorry, I've watched sort of Raws around this time, and you can see the divide of Farouk and The Rock happening because when they're doing promos and stuff, Farouk's starting to speak, and The Rock, the rock then starts cutting him off and things like that, so you can see the divide happening for quite a while before it actually happens as well. <laughs> This is the area where does the Rock get Farouk a picture of the Rock? Yeah, yes. he gets he gets the entire <laughs> yes, stable it, it, like gold Rolexes, and then he goes, "Oh, I've got something special for you, Farouk." And it's just a picture of the Rock. It's <laughs> it's incredible. He, yeah, you can see this is like right at the start of his run. This has been Rocky Maiva. He's turned into the Rock, but he's 
he's got something, I know you can just the man loses charisma. We, they caught they announced him, didn't they, as the Rock Rocky Mayavia. So again, this must be just at the point where he just transitions into the rock and drops the Rocky Mayavia. Before this point there was yeah. quite a, there was quite a few rocks, actually. There was Don Morocco was the rock. Right. Ollie Anderson was the rock. And there's uh some I mean I don't think anyone else could do it now. I don't think you're gonna get like uh the rock no way, Jose coming out on Raw. Oh, he's been released, actually. But something yeah. like that. Like, I think it's... it's We've, we've settled on a rock now. But yeah, it's the, the third or fourth time that they tried this nickname with somebody. And, well, it's obviously worked out well for him, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday um, today, by the way, Mr. Yeah. Rock, if you're listening. So the Saturday we're recording. Um, what day is it today? Second of May. Happy birthday, Mr. Johnson. Um, and also um, Paul McShane. And Paul McShane. There you go. Yeah. Follow you fans in Hull because we know you're all there. Yep. <laughs> Hull and uh, Virginia. <laughs> Again, we are deeply sorry. <laughs> very, very sorry. Oh, a big shout out to, uh, to Boston, Massachusetts, actually, which are now our biggest uh, listeners in the US. Boston, are they really? Yep. So Boston, there you go. Is Ashford, that definitely Ashford, Virginia? Step your game up, but again, yeah. I'm very, very sorry. <laughs> Is that definitely Boston, Massachusetts? Is it, it Boston? Could be, it could be in... Boston, Lincolnshire. I'll do yeah. <laughs> But wherever you're from, let us know. It's it's crazy to think and that we will we, shout you out. Yeah, crazy to think where where we're listening to all over the world. We are worldwide, as we previously said, and we'll continue to say because we are quite yeah. proud of it. <laughs> yeah, we are worldwide. We, we'll, we'll never not be worldwide, though, will we? So we're all no, the worldwide <laughs> person their own pod. <laughs> Lovely stuff. What do we think of this match then, Lou? Um, you've got three on three to open it up with. You sort of Farouk against his old team. Especially like D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry, people he recruited to the nation. Um, you've got Ken Shamrock, who at this time was a big signing from the UFC, sort of a legitimate ad man. And then you've got Steve Blackman, who's only lost once. Good way to open the show. Yeah, I thought it was. Anytime you get to hear Ken Shamrock's entrance music, underrated. Yeah, yeah. That's very, that's I very enjoyable. also wrote this down. <laughs> very yeah. good. Surprising to see him all come out to the same song as well. Yeah, which is disappointing because then we missed out on Steve Blackman's, which is also another. Underrated entrance for him. Yeah. But yeah, it's a bit weird that um I, I I know like he still was was the leader, but it was a bit weird that Farouk was wearing the, the clothes of the nation. I was gonna bring that up as well. Cause it, it, if you're trying to separate them, have him wear something different. I know if, if it's just happened, yeah. but yeah. it's it it weird it, to yeah. see. Put it in a storyline where they're like, Oh, you can't wear this anymore, like you know what I mean, like just something like that. So it's Mm. But in the in the match, even Dilo mentions, well, say mentions it. He say he sort of points to the things, and then mouths where the same, and then obviously then just sucker punches it. But you just think if you're gonna split them up, at least yeah. make them look different. Yeah, especially because Cameron Mustafa isn't wearing the colours, and he's in the group. Mm-hmm. So Neither was the Rock. Neither was the Rock was there. I wasn't wearing the same attire at least. The Rock was just wearing his tattered black trunks and a classic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I, I thought it was a really good opener. Actually, I was surprised yeah. watching it that, yeah, Farouk won. Well, this was just the start, wasn't it? So the, I think Farouk and The Rock yeah. have a singles match at the next pay-per-view. But you, God, you could tell The Rock was going to be a, a big star. It was just, and he was, he was such a great heel at this time. He reminded me a lot of, this is going to be a niche reference to that I was watching, um, those listening especially about, but uh, when Joe Hendry was in The Prestige in, in WCPW, uh, it was, you kind of had that thing of like, Oh, you should be cheering me. Why aren't you cheering me? And just like he was absolutely disgusted that the crowd were were booing him. Um, and I kind of like those. I, I like the heels that don't realize the heels. 
well, time, it, kind of... Yeah, that's I, what um, I think it's Eric Bischoff says his legs by heels that they've got a kennel of truth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Still, like, you need to like because that's what gets even more angry, doesn't it? Sometimes it's like, oh, because yeah, you're right. We've got, got a point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that, and I, I didn't realize how over um, Ken Shamrock especially was in this was in this era when he tagged in the first time. You big pop. ballistic. Yeah, a lot of people say questions sort of why he wasn't involved in more sort of main feuds. He was always sort of up yeah. a mid card. He's in a I few. Think, yeah, Jim Ross just said um, when we we're talking personally. No, when we we're on, on his podcast that his heart was just never in it. Which makes sense because he's always sort of been legit he fighter. Be a yeah. yeah. And to be fair, this is Shamrock. So in a couple of months, you've got Austin, you're gonna have The Rock, you've got Triple H, you've got Undertaker, you've got Kane, you've got Mankind. Talk about coming in the business at the wrong time. <laughs> if you're yeah. gonna be a top guy. Yeah. Imagine if he came in now. Wow. Exactly. Well, it'd be Lesnar sort of yeah. levels, wouldn't it? He? he would be something else if he came into business now. Sort of a bit like Rousey come in, had won the title all within a year. Yeah. Just, just, just legit. Well, Half a year, really. Rousey come at the Royal Rumble, didn't she? And then, <laughs> yeah, first match of June. Yeah, yeah. Oh, SummerSlam was in August. Yeah. Terry Peters, what did you think of this opening match? I, I thought it was quite a strong opening match. To be honest, like I say, I picked up on for wearing the same, the same gear as the Nation of Domination, who also had, in my opinion, quite underrated music, because I just like the the chant that they do, and then obviously come out and do the. The nation salute as well. I think it was really good, but the end of the match, how the Rock did not get dropped on his head, I will never know. That was so close to being a mm. complete disaster. It looked pretty nasty, didn't it? It, it didn't ter- even it look as yeah. it didn't even look a strong dominator either. He sort of obviously because of the way it finished, he just sort of dropped him. It didn't look. I don't remember the it looking that weak as a move, but I don't know if that's just because of how how it was uh, executed on this occasion, but. Yeah, I, I like say strong, strong opener for me. Yeah, it was a good opener. There's a couple of interesting points in there. Uh, there's one point where Fuchs unwilling to tag in against D'Lo, so D'Lo slaps him, and Fuchs just whips the shit out of him. Yeah, <laughs> front, back, whatever way he can get. Steve Blackman sort of gets most of the, the well, he's beat up in the corner by the nation. I thought Mark Henry, I thought looked quite, quite good in this. <laughs> Not a lot of people say that about Mark Henry, especially at this time. But yeah, I thought Mark Henry looked pretty good. Uh, the Rock does a people's elbow just in the middle of the match, which become his finisher later on. Which yeah. Is did, to see. did you notice how loud the Rocky Sucks were chants as well, or Rock Sucks, whatever they were shouting? It was unbelievably loud. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, and that just shows how good he is at doing what he does. They finally do the hot tag to Farouk. The place does go ballistic. Um, everyone's cleared out the ring by him. Yeah, and then it's just a rock left in. Farouk hits a, a dodgy dominator, <laughs> as mm. just said. He gets the, the pinfall uh, and wins the match. I think it's interviewed by Michael Cole afterwards. And for, he's, something, he's out of breath. <laughs> for, for something that we hadn't seen at all until we watched Judgment Day last week, and then to see it two weeks in a row is just weird. And Michael Cole's suit's too big. It's a bit like Joey... Um, Joey yeah, I've... Styles. I was going to yeah. say, I, I couldn't think... Uh, well, I thought of another Joey who do, definitely does not deserve to be mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> Michael Cole um, definitely must look back in horror at some of the things he used to wear on TV. Do you remember when he had frosted tips? <laughs> uh, he's, he's not aged well. Well, he's not... Um, 
He's aged better than he looked when he was a young kid, I think. He's yeah. ripped now. Yeah, but he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Carl, he's, he's more ripped than uh, Andy Peters. Yeah, Terry Peters is famous dad. Yeah, who is, <laughs> who is ripped. <laughs> he is ripped. Dave yeah. Meltzer's another guy who's just stacked randomly. <laughs> there you go, Dave. You finally got your shout out. Yeah. He's had two now. <laughs> um, yeah, so they went 13 minutes in all. Decent opener. Um, the, the sort of three, six-man tag. Um, and we got to a bit of a weird thing you don't see on many pay-per-views. Stone Cold's music. He comes out to the promo. Forces the timekeeper into the ring. Cause so the, the timekeeper on Raw rang the bell early in the Dude Love-Steve Blackman match. So, yeah, Steve Blackman had only been pinned once at this time, but apparently he'd lost to Dude Love. <laughs> it just, just makes the old laugh bit nonsense. Um, so Stone Cold threatens him, tells him to call it down the middle, don't do it again. They're obviously playing on the Montreal screw job, which was 97, so that was yeah. like six months ago at this point. Oh, yeah. So Stone Cold's sort of worried McMahon will screw him out of the title. This is something that WWE... Love to go back to. <laughs> but they love the screw job, don't they? Every time they're uh, in, yeah. it's going to happen again. Yeah. yeah, again and again and again and again. What did we think of the promo? Strange because Stone Cold's the big star. Lou, what did you think? It was a bit mean to the, the old timekeeper, wasn't it? You know, he's doing his job. Well, was like he a, doing his? He's not doing his job, is he? He's just yeah, reading the best of Billy. He's doing what his boss tells him to do. Well, yeah, that is true. Bit mean. Bit mean. I thought. I don't know. It was just a bit. Can you have done this on Raw beforehand yeah. and not have Stone Cold come out twice in the pay-per-view? I thought that. It wastes his initial pop. The initial yeah. pop is the biggest one in it, and it wastes it for a, yeah. an interview. Would you sort of agree with that, Piers? Yeah, it was pointless and unneeded for me. Completely pointless. There we have it. That wraps the segment off with a nice little bow, doesn't it? Pointless and unneeded, don't say, Piers. We then move into uh, a match you might be surprised to see second on the, on the card. I've got... Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the uh, the new leader of DX. So obviously Shawn Michaels has sort of left the company after WrestleMania, he loses to Austin. Triple H then creates a new DX, he brings X Pac, or was it Six he was called in WCW, isn't it? WCW, yeah. Uh, brings him over to WWF. So one of the bigger, one of the first times somebody moved back to WWF, the uh, Monday Night Wars. He's with China, he gets a new age out as well, he's created a new DX. And he's fighting Owen Hart. So I think some of the backstory is Triple H is a European champion. Shawn Michaels is sort of lays down for him. Or gives him the belt. Or something, something he along he, them he lays down because I think Shawn has to defend it in it has to defend it that night, otherwise he'll lose it because he hasn't defended it in so long. It's like a Christmas present or something for Triple H, isn't it? Obviously Shawn Michaels was involved in the screw job yet again. <laughs> it's just going through it. Owen Hart's a bit annoyed about that. This match has got a bit of a spin on it because China will be locked in the, the shark cage, even though they don't call it a shark cage at this point, do they? But China's going to be locked in a cage and suspended in the air because she interfered in the last match, even though she was handcuffed to uh, Commissioner Slaughter. <laughs> Shout out for Commissioner Slaughter. Say, Peters, what did we think of it? a young Triple H like, before he becomes, well, the guy we all know now? What did you think of this iteration of him? This is sort of that weird phase between the blue blood, isn't he? And then, like you say, what we all know today. He's still playing the heel character, but I just don't think he fully understands it at this point with the tactics. Because I think the match was good, but then there was a little bit where they just sort of... 
very similar to Undertaker and Steve Austin last week, where they're just sort of doing face locks and things, and you're thinking, that's not, for me, really what a heel should do. He should just be putting cheap cheap shots in and things like that at the time. Yeah, I thought this, especially in the middle, got quite yeah. boring. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought it... it, the, it I think it was the face lock that went did. on for... The face lock went on for, I think, I timed it, it as about two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> felt like it. And um, for me, I, I didn't think the match was helped by um, I don't know what it'd be like in the crowd, but on watching it on the TV, keeps going to China in the. I was going to say there was a lot of focus on China, wasn't yeah, there? In, in the cage, yeah. So China's she gets a file out of a boot and then doesn't know how to use a file. <laughs> she drops, she drops it, and I'm I wonder was she meant to drop it. Or did she do it by mistake? Eh, I don't know. So she drops because, the file. Because she sort of, she doesn't, she drops it and then sort of just goes, looks and doesn't really know what to do after that for a little bit. So China's pretty green at this point, isn't she? She hasn't been in there long. Yeah. Um. So she drops the file. Uh, she can't get out with that. So she tries to bend the bars on the cage. Uh, she eventually does bend the bars on the cage and escapes and then... But the cage is too high. The cage is 20 foot in the air. So she's hanging there for what seems like another hour. <laughs> Before finally, the good man that is Road Dog <laughs> somehow got in charge of the controls. He lowers the cage down. There's loads of refs. Refs are all <laughs> everywhere. So I think Slaughter comes out. And he... Hart's got Triple H and the Sharpshire at this point. He obviously breaks it because China get, jumps on the ring. So they get rid of China. And when I, it's a pedigree on... On Triple H, which is something I don't like seeing other people use the finishing moves. I just think not in a match like this. Yes, when The Rock and Austin do it at 17. Yes, I get it then. Yeah. In a, in a big match, but not just randomly like this. But the pin on Triple H, X-Pac comes in with a fire extinguisher, hits him <laughs> with a fire extinguisher. Triple H then wins by a pinfall. A lot of schmoz, mainly because this is this is Russo at his best. Lou, what did you think of Triple H uh, against Owen Hart? I feel like my main issue was the absolutely telegraphed finish. Like, did spent like the beginning build up, like introducing like the new DX, which has only been together like a month. So it's like we've got China, obviously Triple H, Shakes Pack, and the New Age Outlaws. Oh, and China's going to be in this cage. It felt fairly obvious that the other three were going to get involved. Yeah, so I, was, not, I think that that was my main issue with it. I was just like, you 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 can almost wait for it to happen, and obviously with China, just kind of I don't know what she was doing. So she got out of the cage. Do you know, but like if that? I if I had bent the cage and I thought right, at least I got to this point now. If I was still as I was twenty foot in the air, and my mate was going to come out and get the controls anyway, why would you have hanging for like five minutes? <laughs> impressive, very very impressive feat of strength. I was was that, it, was, it was getting a bit hairy. I was like, at times, I was like, oh, bloody hell. Like, she's still up there. <laughs> I was going to say, it's impressive grip on her part as well, that, isn't it? To, so I think there was one point where, on. where Owen went out, and I thought, oh, this is going to be the spot. She's going to fall onto Owen, and he's going to catch her. Yeah. yeah. And then he, yeah, and he went, uh, and then he just looked and went, oh, sorry, I'll get back in the ring and just carry on the match. <laughs> and then the, in one corner, she was just like hanging on, like, I was like, bloody hell. It felt a bit dangerous. It, yeah, because she was high. She was definitely anyway, Very she high. Was, she like, there was no way she could, have dropped, she could have dropped down. Even when she was hanging off, you know, up on the bottom of the cage, it's still like too high to to guarantee not breaking your leg when you landed. Yeah, it, she was, especially even if there was a one out underneath her, <laughs> it still could have got pretty airy. But speaking of dangerous as well, Owen Hart doing the power driver. I well, you, you know what's gonna. So had he done this before? 
So Austin had already been injured. That was 96, wasn't it? Was it 96? Uh, SummerSlam. This was before, before Austin won the title. So he'd already done broke Austin's neck, hadn't he? Yeah. I'm not sure on the day. I, like like, I feel like it was 97, you know. Well, it was early before this and yeah. previous one. Yeah, because he's in the feud with Bret Hart, wasn't he? Yeah. But yeah, like like you say, it's quite in, quite weird to see it now, uh, to watch it in 2020, because obviously in WWE now, it's just completely banished, isn't it? And rightly so, to be honest. But it is quite weird to see it, especially after, obviously, the injury, the unfortunate injury to Stone Cold as well. Yeah, so they go 12 minutes, and this is there's another interview afterwards with uh, Michael Cole. And this is Hart does a, an Enough is Enough, it's time for change promo. Um, I, I absolutely I, love those promos. This one was better than Farouk <laughs> on the show. Um, I think after this, does he join the nation? He joins the nation after this, isn't he? And then is it near the Blue Blazer time, and then he teams with Jeff Jarrett. And then yeah, and that's, that's about a year from this. Yeah. It's, it's about a year, isn't it, unfortunately, Tully? So yeah, has his accident. Solid match, I think. Um, boring in parts. Triple H obviously still trying to figure himself out. Yeah, it's a bit weird a that he was like anti authority guy, but he still came out in some sort of like Ric Flair style rub. Yeah, so it's strange seeing uh, Triple H like this, to be honest. And still been referred to as Hunter Hart Helmsley normally. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought I'd gone by this point. So did I. To think he said Hunter Hart Helmsley, didn't he? And then. Uh, I think JR says Hunter or Helmsley or one of the one of his names. Um, but yeah, a decent match. Definitely go on to something which I didn't. Well, I've completely forgot about. Won't expect to see it in the WWF ring. We've got an NWA Tag Team Championship match. So we've got the New Midnight Express. They're the champions. This is uh, Bodacious Bart, Bombastic Bob, <laughs> accompanied by Jim Cornette, and they're going against the Rock and Roll Express. So, Bodacious Bart is Bart Gunn, uh, classic tag team wrestler, winner of the inaugural Brawl for All, which is after this pay-per-view. And Bombastic Bob, Bob Holly. <laughs> uh, Sparky Plug. Sparky Plug, was it? Oh, God. Thurman, Thurman Plug, wasn't it, wasn't it? And then what, uh, what is he Holly. Where's the space? Jim, Con- Jim Cornette, uh, <laughs> he was out there. Ricky Morton was only 42 at this pay-per-view. No one believes that. <laughs> it's only seen his 60s now. He looked old. So Robert Gibson, he was 40. For me, well, I've wrote down on my notes here, waste of time, no one cares. <laughs> oh, good God. Like, did, did you see the seats in the crowd? Like, Oh, it was empty. Do you think who's booking this match? Like, you have a lamb. Like, there was nobody there at all. It's surprising, but I get why they put it on, because they are in NWA country, aren't they? This is the South. Yeah, well, and I think uh, Bruce Pitchard said it was just to do Cornette a favour because these were the titles in Smoky Mountain. I yeah. think I think around this time as well they had. I've watched, like I say, I've watched some roles around this time, and they did have a lot of. I say a lot of NWA matches. They did have some NWA matches. It was an invasion, wasn't it? It was just when Dan yeah, Seven and I think was a champ. Yeah, and I think again, bombastic. Is it bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart were part of that as well? I mean. Um, it, for, go on, Peter. No, I was just going to say, you could have put something else on here that would have helped your own product to me. Yeah, I just the midnight from I don't I haven't seen many midnight express matches, so I'm not going to pretend to be to, to know a lot about them. But the two people they've picked to recreate the new midnight express, right? No disrespect to, to Bob Holly, he had a good run. No as dis- disrespect to Bob Holly, he was shite. 
But they, they, just, they just picked two people with no charisma whatsoever. Yeah. Well, then again, that's, I suppose that's why they probably put them with Cornet, who has got charisma. Well, for me, I mean, I know Cornet is supposed to, but he come off as annoying and not annoying in the way. Oh God, I hate Cornet. He's come annoying because it was just, it was all just rubbish. Well, just the thing is, like, the, what I found weird was like, because I don't think the. Hang on, they were the old guys. They were the Midnight Express. No, they were the Rock and Roll Express. Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, they were the Lever Express. It, the whole point of like, I think Cornette's character was meant to be he was some out of touch NWA guy, and that was like his as a heel. Yeah. It was almost like to get this heel heat. Yeah, we're gonna have like a tag team match that you all don't want to see. But literally, the, the crowd looks empty. You know yeah, what is this TNA? There's no one there. <laughs> they only went seven minutes, and in that seven minutes, Carnet's going ballistic on the side. Did he have a tennis? I can't even remember if he had a tennis racket. I don't, think he, did. I don't think he did this time, actually. Um, he comes on, jumps on the road, tries to fight Tim White, the ref. That was Tim White's yeah, on Warren. What's that about? The bit after that is so Carnet takes his jacket off, Tim White unsucks his shirt, and then. Carnet tries to put his jacket on backwards. <laughs> it's inside <laughs> out when he puts it on. Carnet was getting involved. He finally gets punched by Ricky Morton, I believe. Comes to nothing because where uh, Bodacious, but no, Bombastic Bob hits a bulldog on uh, Robert Gibson. Bart Gun gets the pin. Seven minutes. Seven minutes too long for me. <laughs> I feel as though our review of this, of not really knowing what's going on, probably sums this match up as well. It was of getting games wrong. It was just awful. Again, I wrote down just ugh. I'm not that, that's like my the, review. The weirdest thing about this was the um the Rock Oil Express won those titles this year. Only only sixty. What are you doing wrestling when you're sixty? <laughs> Going back like the, to ECW, look at Terry Funk. Yeah, they must have been like one of these tag teams who have like always been old. <laughs> like, but can I just say uh, old here? Can I just pick up on something? Another week, another great set of mullets in this match. Oh, oh yeah. bombastic, bombastic Bob. bobs! Oh, bombastic mullet! What a lovely entry that <laughs> is into the mullet the, most, the most interesting Bob Holly has ever been. <laughs> what? Not even when the uh, he got beat up, wasn't Which is my, my favorite wrestling story of all time. Yeah. That the veteran tries to sort of dictate to the new guy, "Are oh, you out doing that?" So yeah. just puts it anyhow. Just anyway, breaks his neck. It's like, yeah, I'll be a fucking dick about it. Like, oh, fuck Holly. Like, what has he ever done? Like, you hear all these stories about him. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna test the test the youngsters and that. Like, what has he ever done? In, in the wrestling business, fell through a table and got a sick looking cut on his back. To be fair, yeah, and he got like he got thrown out of that cage by Lashley. Like, he once had a wrestling match with a bear. Oh, God, and I, I think like the quotes was like, I think like he was like, yeah, I knew I was gonna get hurt, but I thought it was good money. I fight this bear. <laughs> a lot of Bob oh, Holly's fans absolutely like, terrible, terrible, terrible wrestler. I just don't see the point in Bob Holly ever. He did find his niche later on in in, in the nineties with the with the hardcore. Well, because Crash Holly made him entertaining. <laughs> well, yeah, that is yeah that is true. Yeah. Um, I'm but, I'm not a fan of Bob Holly. If anyone can, uh, <laughs> fans picking up on that. Not a big fan. Sorry, Bob. We know you're listening. And, <laughs> by all accounts, he sounds like a, a complete piece of shit backstage as well. So. <laughs> yeah. The thing that new and Midnight Express, I'm not a fan of anything new. Some things need to just be left to die. Nah, like, like it's just getting built because there's not any more. 
I'm going. I'm basing on the um, from what Jim Ross said as well. This isn't the first time we've tried it. Yeah, I think at one point he said like, "Oh, this is the third or fourth incarnation of the Midnight Express." Yeah. Weirdly, the only thing it worked on was um, DX earlier in the show. Yeah, because that was basically a new group. At least they still had one guy. Yeah. It's not wrestling related, but the BBC always do this. It's like in a in a TV show. The main character leaves and they just replace him with somebody else and they just try and carry on like everything's normal. So they replace him with a different actor who's got the same characteristics and mannerisms as the actor before. So it's like my it's like in my family when they brought in that bloody Welsh bloke. Yeah. And Chris Marshall's like, Yeah, I'm too busy doing love actually in BT adverts, mate. Too um, busy for this sitcom. They did it in X Files as well, when David Duchovny left and they brought in I can't think of his name, but he's in Terminator and he plays um is it Inspector Ever as Good? Doggett, uh, not Detective Doggett. John it ever, Doggett, that's his name. Is it Ever as Good? No, it's not. No. Yeah, Death in Paradise still works. Yeah, Death in Paradise. Yeah, until until Hanlon. That's when I started uh, watching. No, it's Ralph Little now. I've yeah. not seen this since Ralph Little came in. Ralph Little's bloody brilliant. <laughs> but, uh, interestingly, you mentioned my family, though, because um, I was watching it yesterday because it's back on BBC. Wow. Uh, oh, new, back, new episodes? No, the originals. Ah. So Nick's in it. And you know the other boy, one with the glasses? Yeah. Mikey. He nearly became Harry Potter. So I can see that. It was between him and Daniel Radcliffe, and they went with Daniel Radcliffe. Imagine. Uh, good choice. Too much actually to be a... Oh, that's too Daniel Radcliffe. Right, I'm just showing everyone now. He's not a very good actor, is he? No. And he, yeah, I think he openly admits that, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. The guy who plays um, Ron Weasley, what's his name? Ed Sheeran. He's really good. Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint. That's the one. Yeah, he's, he's a good actor. And, uh, but he's not done much, has he? Yeah, yeah. It is, it is Thunderpants. Thunderpants. He's in um, the Lockstock, uh, Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels TV show. Yes, that what? There's a TV show called Lockstock. You're telling me there's a gangster, a gangster TV show with Ron Weasley in it. Yeah, <laughs> he plays like some like real rich guy. Amazing. He's not an actual gangster, but I've never seen any of the episodes. Okay. But he's definitely in it. Right, I need to, I need to find this. <laughs> but yeah, but, right. So yeah. Anyway, enough Harry Potter. That's the um, podcast. What I'm saying is, it doesn't work. Yeah, join us next week for wrestling. Pottering around. Harry Potter around. <laughs> wrestling with Weasleys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moving that, on. If there's a market there, we'll we'll do it. I will do it for sure. Yeah. I'll do it right now. Midnight Express. So we've talked longer than this match deserves because it was it was shit. <laughs> is yeah, it it's... Describe it. Terrible. It was won by a bulldog. Come on, that just, just <laughs> does that not just sum it up? Yeah. Then we move on to uh, something which um, won't get a lot of praise from me. We've got Luna Vachon with Goldust against Sable in the first ever evening gown match. You forgot. Oh. Hang on, just to rewind ever so slightly. You forgot about Luna's promo, which is awful. Yeah, there's a promo by Luna Vachon <laughs> with the artist formerly known as Goldust. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize she spoke like that. <laughs> I knew she did, and her hair looks like super noodles. Uh, no, I was she, other, to... other rehydrated noodle products available. She just got the she was just gonna be a noodle product. Yeah. Like, oh. I was just like, oh my god, speak like this. What is happening? Yeah. If we get five reviews by the time the next episode comes out, Robel will do. Uh, not Robel, who's Robel? I don't know. Uh, some loser won't leave me alone <laughs> Terry Peters will do um, 
We'll do the next episode in the voice of Luna Vachon. <laughs> so five, five, five star reviews. Get going. Nice. I've only wrote three lines for this. One's the promo. I've put um, King makes some very uncomfortable comments. Yeah, I wrote those down. Mark Mero costs Sable and Luna wins. <laughs> so much. Uh, no, I've got, I've got one issue I need to pick up with this it, match straight away. Come on, Lou. Only went the, two and a half minutes. The pan in the crowd. And there's some font version in the crowd. Holds up a sign that says, Free Tongue Bath for Sable. <laughs> like, who? <laughs> who? Thinks, right, I'm going to go out and get some paper, some neon paper and some felted pens and some awesome markers. I'm gonna put oh free time have sable, and then take it to a wrestling show, and hope I'm gonna look anything other than a complete pelic. No, wait. Let's say like let's say sable sees that sign. Is she gonna just like, go? Oh. Is she gonna go? Yeah, all, all right then. Just <laughs> <laughs> for free. Pay your paper tongues. Like. <laughs> yeah. well, just, I was, I've, I've been paying ten dollars a month for my free tongue bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then Brock Lesnar just turns it up and yeah. goes, actually, no, because Brock Lesnar would be about 12 at this point, wouldn't he? I, yeah. I still would not want to mess with a 12-year-old Brock Lesnar. <laughs> it went two and a half minutes, Peters. Do you think it should have been the last ever evening gown match? <laughs> well, when you think Gerald Briscoe and Pat Patterson got an evening gown match, probably. I literally wrote down with this. It's basically just a way for Sable to undress and get the crowd, you know, yeah. wooing. I did yeah. wonder if this was the one with the hands. Over the boobs. That's like, later on. Yeah. I that's bikini contest, isn't it? That bikini one? contest. No idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is, yeah. But the the lines I picked up from the king were, I hope that dress isn't going to be on very long. I want to see a birthday suit. It's just uncomfortable, isn't it? And, it and they mentioned something about someone wearing a staple when they were a centrefold, which is obviously just gross as well, which is something he also mentions about China at SummerSlam 2002. Uh, 2000, uh, sorry. The, the, one that, the line that got me was when he said, like, fongs aren't the best thing, but they're next to it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's just hard, isn't it? It's hard. <laughs> just... <laughs> oh, God. Why was this the most popular show at school when I was, like, 10? <laughs> Uh, it, it, was, it was weird, right? An evening gown match. Because obviously, Sable's the good guy in this. Because she's just... Um, she's in the process of splitting up with Mark Merrow's becoming quite controlling, isn't he? Yeah. So, so, in a match, you would want Sable to win because Sable's the good guy. But nobody wanted Sable to win because it was, like you say, it was full of 40-year-old virgins with signs saying... <laughs> Free tongue baths over here. So everybody wanted Luna Vachon to pull the gown off Sable. So they're cheering the heels. It's just backwards booking. But did, Jerry Lawler actually picked up on this as well. He says everyone's chanting Sable. They want to be all chanting Luna, Luna. He's, He's the just, only person yeah. that picked up on that. In my opinion, I'm just going to say this. I think we've covered this enough. Yeah, it went on two minutes. I'm glad these matches don't happen anymore. Luna Vachon deserve better. <laughs> yeah, she's, good. she's a good worker. Um, um, yeah, but, yeah but, but Sable gave us the Sable bomb, and you forgot to um, go under the ring, and Lou and Sable comes out with Luna's bra and panties. Right, and yeah, then... that's true. So Sable loses. Uh, then it's the Sable bomb on Luna Vachon. Um, Luna goes under the ring for some reason. Sable goes under after her, comes out with the bra and panties, and then the artist family known as Gold Dust. Good job he's wearing that big long coat in it. <laughs> it's almost like it was planned. Yeah, takes her out wearing the coat. 
Yeah, um, that, that, that happened. That's finished. Right, moving on. No more from that. I'm putting them into it. We get, um, speaking of uh, evening gun matches, Vince, Jerry Briscoe and Pat Patterson <laughs> are having a promo. They come out to the ring. No music, which is weird. You, you associate Vince with the no chance in hell. What Did he have the, yeah. at this point, though? I don't no, because he, he was. He was. He'd only been a character for a couple of months at this point. Yeah, that, that song he actually had it. That song was a a pay per views theme song, wasn't it? And they kept it. I that's know how that. that's how it come in, yeah. It, again, another very underrated theme. Mm. You just hear that first bit, and you just know what's coming, and it's just instant booze. Even now, and everyone sings yeah. along as well. Yeah, I love like that. Yeah. Nowadays, everyone sings along after the music stopped. Really yeah, just to annoy him. He's promising something catastrophic will happen in the main event. That's literally all he says, pretty much. <laughs> it goes on for about five minutes. It's cheap heat, isn't it? Yeah, I, there must have been another match to could it. Sack off the, the two pro. Sack off the last sort of 15 minutes and put something else in there. Yeah, there could, yeah, there could have been another match, surely. Apparently not, though. <laughs> but that promo happened. Vince comes out and says nothing. <laughs> we go on to the next match which um, unfortunately don't get any better <laughs> we've got the New Age Outlaws the current WWF Tag Team Champions against LOD 2000 with so, Sonny yeah with Sonny so LOD have been looted and the Road Warriors from people NWA fans unbelievable tag team sort of one of the biggest didn't sell out, didn't lose or anything, did they absolutely massive. Gets WWE, they renamed Legion of Doom. They go on a losing run, um, and then they disappear. They come back with a 15-team battle royal kind of thing uh, at WrestleMania, and they're now called the Legion of Doom 2000. Yes, it's, this is 98. <laughs> it was dead exciting at the time. I would have been like, well, I would have been like seven when this pay-per-view happened. I thought, it was it was coming up like the year two thousand. Everything was two thousand. It, yeah. it was it was happening. I thought LOD two thousand was the Hiding Rake iteration. No, that was, was two thousand and seven ish. I didn't well, realize it was this early. That was just an abomination, is all that was. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what else was an abomination around this time? Hawk fell off the Titantron. I think it was after this, and they were basically playing on his character being drunk. Yeah, and he was going through a lot of problems, wasn't he? Yeah, he was going through a lot of personal problems, and they brought in storyline, and he falls off the Titantron, and, well, they all thought he was dead, and Droz then was part of it as well. It was all very bizarre what happened at this time. Yeah, so yeah, the most interesting thing about this match was uh, the New Age Outlaws come out with, uh, well, say they're going to be, they've got a new coach, uh, Dean Smith, and he's... Come, they've got a blow up doll because you know DX cool and edgy. Yeah. <laughs> but interestingly, Dean Smith, yeah, he was coach at the University of North Carolina for 36 years, and he was one of the in basketball, and he was one of the sort of people who helped desegregate basketball. So he was the first person to recruit an African American scholarship in uh, Charlie Scott, ah. who spent spent two years in the ABA and uh, eight years in the NBA. Ah. Is, so, is he not now like a a football league manager? That's the guy, I imagine. Yeah, but this yeah. Is, that that's the most interesting thing I can say about this match. Uh, <laughs> it, this was I liked the new age outlaws, but obviously this is sort of 
Before all the stars we know are big in the Attitude Era got big, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, so Billy Gunn was a, it's just a charisma vacuum at this point. Um, yeah. The Road Dog, I always found the Road Dog a bit annoying, to be honest. I know everyone loved him. He was good. It, I found it a bit surprising um, that people didn't sing along with his sort of entrance, because in sort of 99, when he comes out to the Oh You Didn't yeah. Know, crowd go mental and there's everybody saying it and yeah. he's a heel now and he's still doing the same thing and it's weird to hear the crowd not join in yeah but the crowd was dead throughout his, dread, his dreadlocks as well were great yeah they're not tied back which is weird isn't it? <laughs> I didn't know um, Billy Gunn was Mr Ass at this point as well that was that was early on um, Sonny was about she she didn't do a great deal <laughs> Uh, she just pointed and waved and <laughs> just was sunny, yeah. Right, so we'll get to we'll go through the finish before I ask your opinion. So Road Dog uh, gets hit with a German suplex by Hawk. Referee counts the pin. The music goes off. We've got new tag team champions, LOD two thousand. Howard Finkel then announces that the New Age Outlaws retain with no explanation why. <laughs> and then we go on. There's finally some videos. And according to JR and King, they realize, they think the referee looked at Hawk's shoulders, which is weird, because why would you look at Hawk's shoulders? <laughs> and they were down as well. So the refs counted the three, and the New Age Outlaws were actually retained. LOD were obviously annoyed about this, from the pretty brutal-looking doomsday device on the ref. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> oh, my God, that was hell. great. He rotated, like, three times in midair. Yeah. It was um, an incredible just... bump by him. Would Marty Jones have had you doing that, though? Probably. That would have been my third week. That would have been my third week, yeah. They just knocked me off. Out of the ring through a table, wouldn't it? Might as well have been Flaming table. They didn't, uh, in their story, that Vince, the LOD did that to Vince once in like a strip club. I've not heard that. <laughs> I have heard that Vince won't ask you to do anything that he wouldn't he wouldn't do himself. Apparently, it was, it was, it was quite early on. So they did that, and then the Heart Foundation did, is it that, what, their, the Heart Attack, was it their finisher? Yeah. So they did that on him as well in this strip club. <laughs> yeah, nice wrestling. It went 12 metres, 12 metres, 12 minutes. The referee Ten... probably did. Well, he got knocked out. Say, that's how much the referee <laughs> wrote. That was a mixture of 12 minutes and Terry Peters. <laughs> 12 metres. Terry Peters. Um, Terry Peters, uh, what did we think of the... Of the tag team championship match slightly better than the NWA tag team <laughs> I would match. say it's slightly better because you get the good intros of you get the classic music don't you of LOD and then you get the oh you didn't know although I know it wasn't big at this time it, it still resonates doesn't it, it yeah. you, you still sing along with it I did notice in the match as well Hawk sort of forgets to cover some I think it was Billy Gunn and then someone just shouts cover and then he covers him and then kicks out the two anyway you're thinking brilliant what an outstanding bit of wrestling that is um for me what a crap finish this is jesus christ but if yeah. anyone's going to be pinned to me it's road dog that's been pinned because he was the one that had the move done on him so in theory you would think well that move is the one that's pinning because of the way his body is all wrapped up not yeah why would the ref why would you count yeah, the the shoulders of the Road Warriors when oh sorry Legion Doom when Road Dogs like curled up really there's nothing no yeah. offense on. I thought they were gonna call I thought they were gonna call it and it would have made more sense to for for a DQ for the for the weapons just before this 
that that'd have been how you got out of changing the title with it with a belt yeah so yeah. the really gun brings the belt in the name it, it just made hawk look like a like an amateur really like you see like someone to forget to bring your own shoulders up mm. yeah and just it, yeah it was, it was there was such an easy way out because the weapon was like used like two seconds later so just use that as the finish but to me it, it fooled me completely i was like ah didn't realize there. Lose your doom with champions at this time. I was going to say so there was a massive pop as well, wasn't there? The yeah, they were still they quite over. Considering... Huge. Yeah. The, so the crowd was dead throughout, but when they got the hot tag in and it sort of kicked off at the end, they did chirp up, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and then, so you finally got the crowd back on their feet and you've gone, nope, there's a swerve, there's well, a they, swerve, bro. <laughs> when you look at what we've got coming up, this is sort of, this is a bit of a pay-per-view with two halves, isn't it? This is, oh, it's probably three quarters really yeah. this this bit is the bit where you're thinking yeah this is crap and then sort of after this it does pick up quite quite a lot in my opinion yeah um and, uh, and i think like you say that pop maybe then got the crowd on the side a little bit well but obviously barring so, the screw we finish yeah so we've had a pop there the crowd are excited They've then been told that, yeah, your favourites have been screwed out of it. Oh, yeah, okay, that that does build heat. And it was 12 minutes of that. And then we go on to um, Tennessee Lee comes out. Second appearance on the podcast. Yeah, podcast favourite, Kendall Robert Parker. Yeah. <laughs> he can beat any woman. <laughs> that is... It's in the archives. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, go back, listen to... Uh, episode 1. Un- un- episode 1, Uncensored 96, Lou's favourite ever pay-per-view. We <laughs> more Tower of Dooms, please. Oh. <laughs> um, Tennessee Lee, and he introduces a band called Sawyer Brown, the the biggest country band of the Nantes, as he calls them. They're going to be singing back up to Double J, Jeff Jarrett, because <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the thing. Um, <laughs> they sing a, they sing the full song, and how often do you ever see the full song at this point? I quite like this song as well. Yeah, but but right, so you just I, as we just said, they've got the, the last match. You finally got the crowd on the feet after half an hour of crap. And then they go and bring out a singer. I think the thing is at this time, it's there's a lot of gimmicks. Like it's still the weird Western Jeff Jarrett, where there's there's still in that weird phase between properly setting into the Attitude Era and the previous era, and a lot of gimmicks are in between. So you yeah. get sort of DX starting to build up, but then you get the crap like this as well before Jeff Jarrett turned into, as we know, him, don't piss me off and stuff like that. Yeah, um... I'll slap nuts. So they do the full song. Obviously, the the thing is that Jeff Jarrett's not can't actually sing despite him being a country music star. So he doesn't sing throughout it. He pretends he is. <laughs> Should have got Road Dog back as the roadie as a backup singer well, again and see how that worked. Um. So the, the the song finishes and then Steve Blackman makes his uh, <laughs> second appearance. Um. He attacks Jarrett and then Tennessee Lee hits him with a guitar. Uh. Jarrett puts the figure far on him. Sort of Blackman, yeah, it was a thing. I, if you're gonna do this with Steve Blackman, does he need to be in the first match? But then well, you well, think it should have been ten seconds first time. Yeah, yeah. Why did they need the, the three minutes song? How much do you think this woman saw your brown cost? Do you think oh, we're gonna have yeah. to get the full song out of him? Yeah. It, it, a misfire for me. This full segment. Think of all the crap that we've had so far. Why not just put these two in a match and have another match instead of maybe the NWA thing? Really? I don't think he could have got rid of the crap and fit another match in any old. I don't, I don't mind like having big segments instead of matches, even on pay-per-views, because I think they can be entertaining. Having said that, this was not entertaining. 
It's like when Steve Blackman came out, I was like, yeah, get him, Steve. I was like, where the bloody hell have you been? He's gone through the whole bloody song. Yeah. So Steve Blackman's waiting backstage. He's going, oh, I'm going to hit him, but I'm just going to let him finish. Like, so <laughs> I'm going to hit him, but this is a banger, so I'll, I'll wait for this yeah. to finish. Steve. Yeah, that was the thing that happened, Steve Blackman. Because Jeff Jarrett gives Steve Blackman his first loss. Like his only pinfall. Because um, apparently, the clients of Bruce Pritchard, they just realised one day Steve Blackman had never been pinned. <laughs> it wasn't a planned undefeated. <laughs> they just thought, oh crap, yeah, that guy's not been beat ever. <laughs> Interesting Steve Blackman. I don't know if we'll talk about him again. Probably will. Uh, what do we think, Steve Blackman? Sort of undeserved, or do you think he got as far as he should have? What do we think of as a whole, Peters? I've, I feel... The thing is, in WWE, if you can't talk on a mic, you're not going to get very far. Do you not think there's a space where like a silent assassin, though? But they like people to come out talk, don't they? be able to sell merchandise. And the problem was, he was in a time, again, when there's a lot of big characters about, and he wasn't getting noticed as much as what he maybe would do now. And when you get, no disrespect to Al Snow, when you get put with Al Snow and made into head cheese later on in your career, you're not going to go very far, are you? But he also lives off one moment, which is knocking Shane McMahon off the Titan Tron, which is an incredible moment. I don't necessarily think he has to speak. I think he should have just come out and beat the crap out of people. Um, I'm not saying that he has to speak, but I think that in WWE's logic, that's the way they like it, isn't it? You come out, yeah. cut promos, and, and that's it. You cut a 20-minute promo at the start of Raw every week. I think it would have been good. You know, sort of a la Sandman in, in WWE, CW, where you just come out and beat people up. <laughs> Someone's doing yeah. like a crap segment. I think, I think Batman could have done that. What's your I, thoughts on I think, Batman? Yeah, I, I liked him when I was younger. But I, I also think, like, he's, he's had a good career. Like, I don't think... I mean, like nowadays, especially well, especially now, it's kind of like we have our favourites, and like unless they're world champion, they're not being you know they're not being pushed. Like get my favourites, yeah, so they're I not do, being. I do get that. They're being wasted and, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like you know, like no, it's expensive to get, but Curtis Axel got released uh, the other day from WWE. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, you wasted Curtis Axel. He should have been world champion. Like, no, no. he's no, been there like ten years, and he was never good enough to be world champion, so he wasn't world champion. A lot of people only ever call for it. No, he's not his dad. A lot of people yeah. only ever call for this when they get released as well. Yeah, this is it. And I think Steve Blackman's the same. Like, it's, you know, you have two or three years, four, four years, I don't know how long Steve Blackman was around, as a mid-card WWE guy. That's that's good. That's a, that is a, a spot that not every WWE, or not even every wrestler gets to and would aspire to be. Like, you have some of the guys on the indies, like, kind of, you know, working the, the bingos and the gyms around Britain. Like, if they would just, like, if they had, like, a two or three year spell as a mid-carder in WWF or WWE, they'd, they'd, they'd buy your hand off. I, years, I think yeah. he, had a, he had a good career, but... Five years, 97 to 2002. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There's a, I think there's, that's, yeah. that's quite a common criticism in the wrestlers. Oh, you're happy to... Like, Tyler Breeze gets this a lot. You Are you happy to sit there and not be used? Well, yeah, he's in the big leagues. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not like he's not been used. He's on NXT, like, but not everyone can be world champion. Like, yeah. One minute was saying the world championship gets gets banded about like a hot potato and next minute it's like we want Curtis Axel to be world champion get out well then the next thing uh, Jinder Mahal wins the world champion and everyone's like oh what you what's this guy the champion for <laughs> yeah we want we want thingy to back as the champion exactly. we just first want Daniel Bryan all time please yeah um, yeah I don't know I, I just think we get into this thing of like you know you look at the people who've never been world champion before like I'm not definitely not comparing Steve Blackman to someone like Roddy Piper or Scott Hall but you don't need a championship to make it a good career. Like a five-year run in WWF is really good. 
Yeah, no, I would agree agree with that. Yeah, I, I like I like Steve Blackman. I thought it was one of the food. lived on the same street as us, didn't he? When we was kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> three, 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 three doors down, Steve Blackman. Shout out to you. Can't remember his real name. <laughs> Steve Blackman. I want to say John. John. John Blackman. No, I think it might be Rob L. You know. That's yeah, why I asked why you thought that earlier. Ah, yeah. maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, I think one of the things that doesn't sort of help Steve Blackman was his offense, because he's obviously like a martial arts guy, and he, so he knows how to legitimately hurt you. His, sometimes the real offense doesn't look very good. So some of his kicks and strikes are probably really hurt, but when, in the rest of the match, they don't look very good. Yeah. Like, like UFC, they're not like classics, are they? You know what I mean? Where they're rolling around on the floor getting chucked out and punching each other on the floor. Yeah, they're probably really, really hurt. You've got to be really, really tough. Yeah. doesn't look very good, does it? It's got to be spectacular as well, isn't it? Interesting. Yeah. But I think that maybe sort of hurt Blackman. But, uh, yeah, moving on from, from Blackman, we're going to um, sort of one of the main events. What this pay-per-view is probably well known for. We've got a video package of Undertaker vs. Kane. <laughs> Weirdly, narrated by Michael Cole. Lou, uh, that, hmm, was you a fan of this, this video package, this style? No, again, it was just, just a bit cheesy. About it. Like, I feel like they've got really good at doing video packages nowadays. Yeah. But I think I, this was, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was trying to tell a story, a cartoonish story, in like a, an era where you were trying to go for reality, and it just, it was a bit odd. What did you think, Peters? Did it get you excited for the upcoming match? To be honest, I didn't mind this, because I, I, to me it showed all it showed the back history that had gone on between Kane and Undertaker to see how they got to this point when Undertaker said I'd never fight my brother and everything that Kane had done and pushed him to to get to this point where they're at now. So I didn't I didn't mind it as a as a video package put together. I didn't like Michael Cole as the the voiceover, but maybe like again, it's a bit of a transitional period, isn't it? So they're just sort of trying maybe trying to work out what does work and what doesn't work. So I think they ran out of mind, didn't they? Because they used the uh the Hollywood voice of a guy for the first one. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah we've paid him too much now, so just get call, get call in. Yeah, it's an interesting story. So obviously Kane debuts at... Bubble no, 97, sorry. Bad, but yes, this is the first one, forgive me. Bubble 97 in the yeah, Hell in a Cell match between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. He's the younger brother of Undertaker, was Undertaker previously thought was dead, left in a fire. They had a match at... At WrestleMania, so Undertaker basically beats him up for <laughs> the majority of the match. No, sorry, Kane beats Undertaker for the majority of the match because Kane's this unstoppable machine. Undertaker finally pins him after three tombstones. And then, obviously, Paul Bearer's not happy, so they sort of goad Undertaker into a, this Inferno match, or as he describes it, a match surrounded by fire, and you only win if somebody gets set on fire. There's loads of shenanigans with, with coffins. I think they get Undertaker's parents' coffins in the ring and then Taker's choke slammed into one of them. <laughs> they, <laughs> See, I mean, they, burn they, the, they burn the other one. Yeah, they burn. I mean, Taker goes to the grave where the coffins are, and they're not there, but they're at the stoop, they're at the, <laughs> the arena. <laughs> what, um, what is the security doing? <laughs> so, so, but would you also, stop? Kane? Also, the box mate. Like, right. If you saw Kane walking with two coffins, would you be, would you be confident enough to go? Yeah, what are you doing, pal? <laughs> yeah, I probably have to leave it to fair. Yeah, definitely can. He looked at you. You said, "What? What are them there?" And Kane just looks at you. I'd be like, "Yeah, crack on, fella." Go on. <laughs> so Kane comes out with Paul Bearer, uh, and then the Undertaker comes out. And there's a good visual in this match. You got Kane and Undertaker looking at each other in the ring, surrounded by flames. Uh, my main criticism of this match 
was always it's a hard match to work because you don't have near falls because somebody has to be set on fire. It's hard to work. So there's a lot of pushing near the fire, which sort of slows the match down. And the camera people who were filming it, oh yeah, they wanted to film it through the flames, but it just kept getting in the way. So there's yeah. points where you couldn't see anything because they were trying to shoot through the flames. I noted this down. When the spots and the big moves happen, like the choke slams, the the flames go up and you just can't see anything. If you were sat on them first few rows, you'd have been absolutely furious. Yeah. Well, even and, for it, and very hot. Sweating. Well, yeah, even for a sort of television point of view, though, if they had a, a higher shot and then the yeah. flames went up, you could see what was going on in the ring, but there's some points where you can't see what's happening because I, the I think flames like shoot up. slam and the flames shoot up and it's just... The screen just goes white with the flames. It's it's not good. I get why they do it because I think it probably looked really good, especially if you're high up. But I think it could have been shot a lot better. But there's some good spots in here. Taker goes old school, and that's one of the times the flames show. Whoever's um, pushing that button to make them flames go higher, he had to be spot on, didn't he? He's, he's um, I think he's he's <laughs> yeah. shown, isn't he? At some point in the match, they go over to like a little desk, and there's a guy with like a mixing desk, and I can and only they, assume it's him. Inadvertently show him, don't they? I think. Yeah, I can't think why they go over to the desk, but they do, don't they? So yeah, there's some good spots. Is uh, the old school? Then there's loads of choke slams. Kane sits up after a choke slam. Kane gets a chair for a bit. <laughs> Swings out about, and then at one point, uh, Undertaker throws Kane over the top. Um, oh, sorry, just before that, there's a really scary bit where Kane goes on the top rope and he's sort of crotched by the Undertaker where they shed the ropes and Kane falls down. How oh, we didn't get set on, inadvertently set on fire there because his legs are in the flames, aren't they? Yeah, then he gets thrown over the top rope by the Undertaker. Yeah, so Undertaker can't get out because the flames are there. So they keep going up and every chance to get out. Kane thinks, ah, oh, no, screw this, take a boy out of this, I'm going to walk off and don't know where... Vader comes out. <laughs> if you was well, your your face looks pretty confused why Vader was there. Uh, Vader and Kane yeah. had, had had a match at No Way Out of Texas. Okay. Uh, and Vader was stretched out, and this is his first appearance back since. So it's like two months oh. previously. Oh, I I thought he was there just so he could take the uh, take the hit when Undertaker jumped out of the ring. <laughs> that's why Storyline was there. Yeah. So Taker thinks, oh, I can't get out of here. So. Do you know what I'll do? I'll just jump through it. And he also does like a suicide dive, which is always impressive. Because he's like, what is he, six foot eight or something? Yeah. Over the top ropes, lands on Vader and um, Kane. Um, so they're both outside the ring. The flames are still obviously going. Taker sees Paul Bearer. Well, Paul Bearer tries to get a chair, doesn't he? Give it to Kane. Taker thinks I'm having this. He gets Paul Bearer. Goes up to the stage where Tennessee Lee introduced Sawyer Brown. <laughs> It's not involved at all throughout, but it was the last half hour I've seen it loads. It's him with a drum. <laughs> Incredible stuff. I absolutely <laughs> love that. What's him up in? <laughs> with a drum. It's him with a drum. For good measure, chucks a microphone stand into his chest. Because, <laughs> yeah, screw you, Percy. <laughs> yeah. He then comes back to the ring, and it's the big boot on Kane. And Kane falls into the fire, and his arm's set alight. So take us the winner. Kane runs off. A lot in 16 minutes. Bit slow at times for me, but I think that was just the way the match was. Uh, Lou, what did you think of uh, the inaugural Inferno match? Yeah, as I say, like at the beginning, it got it was very slow, and it seemed like the crowd were just waiting for something to happen. But as it went on, the the crowd really got into it. And as I say, like it's very difficult to do that when there's no um, like near falls or anything. Like it's just kind of pushing. 
had to wear Capoy. I do wish that Undertaker had worn long sleeves somehow, just so it looked like he could possibly lose it, because it felt fairly obvious to me with the attire that Kane was wearing. Yeah. That he was going to be on fire. So I wish they'd kind of modified Undertaker's outfit so he had long sleeves on his. his he could have still looked quite cool, yeah, with long sleeves. Yeah. He? Could have set his hair on fire, though. Well, I guess it could have a leg or anything, couldn't yeah, it? Yeah. I know what you're saying, though. But... Yeah, but, no, but like when you think of it like safely, it's going to have to be his leg or his arm in it. So it would have been a. I don't know, maybe that's just because I've seen Kane get set on fire. But Kane always seems to lose these type of matches, doesn't he? Because he's always wearing long sleeves. Well, he's, he's tried his best. He's only wearing half a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously, it's hard to set somebody on fire, but you could clearly see where the thing was that was on yeah. fire. Because <laughs> it was like, you either just like sort of done it like a zigzag, you know, where you spread yeah. it. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to pretend I know all dangers it is to be set on fire. I've never been set on fire. But yeah. Weird that he ran backstage with it, wasn't it? Rather than get, yeah. get out. Really, I, really obvious that yeah. that's where they put it. I yeah. I was reading about this. They had to be taught by some stunt people what to do and where to keep his arm and stuff like that so he didn't inhale like flames and all different bits. But when he's running off as well, he has his arm up in the air. How he didn't set that stage like the, the yeah. dangling bits of cloth, I'll never know. But you, yeah, like stunt shows or something to get set on fire, they always run off like that, don't they? Their, their arms are always in the air, like moving about. So maybe that's a... What you're told to do by the fire guy. Maybe try and stop the the fire from spreading. Keep it it away from your body or something. Yeah, I think it's keep it behind your back or something like that. What What did you think of the the match as a whole, then, Peters? I think they did the best they could do with what they had to work with. It did look cool and quite menacing, to be fair, didn't it? Having a ring surrounded by fire. Some of the visuals look really good. How those ropes didn't melt, I'll never know. The, the sort yeah. of plastic covering, I'll never know. And Kane's music, incredible. This this is probably my favourite version of Kane, the, the original version, where he's basically he's just a complete monster, isn't he? And everyone's scared of him, and rightly so. But I thought when Undertaker dived over the ropes, I bet his ass was dropping. Because that, oh. if that had have gone wrong... That would have gone wrong in a big way. He had a big target, though, didn't he, Vader and Kane? <laughs> well, yeah. No, but a moment if he timed the jump wrong and slipped, caught his foot on the ropes or something like that. That's yeah. What I meant, rather than... Could have been hairy, than, yeah. I noticed as well he had sort of, like, what was meant to be a tear tattooed on his face. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? But I think in the storyline, had he not died... <laughs> so he went to the um, he went to like so he wouldn't punch Kane he wouldn't hit Kane would he and he went to like the afterlife and met his parents and they said it was alright <laughs> something daft like that is that I did come out of this point that he he was the one who started the fire I don't know I, don't, I, I wouldn't have thought so because this is pretty early on yeah Kane you, you, you do get a bit lost in this timeline don't you between Undertaker and Kane Right. They've got what they've, they've been going for twenty odd years, haven't they? Twenty plus years, so it's hard to keep all the backstories in. Because at one point, Kane's normal and has a girlfriend. We will, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. Is that infamous, Katie Vick? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so this is for me is where the pay per view picked up because I thought it was mediocre at best before this. But and, and it's a shame that it's the penultimate match. Yeah, um, sixteen minutes to go, and uh, Undertaker is the winner. Right, so after the, the first ever Inferno match, we've got uh, another first. This is uh, Stone Cold's inaugural WWF World of Weight Championship 
retention or sort of challenge. Battle defense. That defense, that's the word. Is against the other. Oh, I suppose he's already had one, and he does it for the title. He's had, he's had a match with Vince McMahon, hasn't he? Where he's, he's got the hand tied behind his back because he famously says, Vince, I can beat you with my hand tied behind my back. So Vince says, Go on then. <laughs> Let's have a match to see what's happening. This is sort of a story. The, the dude loves in it, but it's more of Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon. So Vince has been saying Stone Cold sort of isn't the right person to lead the WWF as a champion. He's not the right person because he's a blue collar worker and he drinks beer and he's and so kind of things Vince doesn't want in a champion. So yeah, he forces Stone Cold to wear a suit, which just looks hilarious anytime you see Stone Cold in a suit. Because <laughs> he's got a cap on as well, isn't it? I think yeah. that's more and then, he takes, then he takes the trousers off and the jacket, and then he's just wearing a vest and pants. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought that home because I thought he looked weird in the vest and pants. So he... he looks like a man that's woken up in the morning. Yeah, so he says, uh, this is, you better get your camera out because this is the last time you'll ever see me in a suit. And then obviously Stone Cold must stun, so that stuns everyone. Uh, it's interesting, really, because this is like, he'd obviously have a big ground well of support to kind of get into the main event scene and against uh, Shawn Michaels. But this is, he, this is the first time he's been given the ball and run with it. So talk about two people coming together at the right place, right time, Stone Cold and, and Vince McMahon, the, probably the best rivalry of all time. Give me a hell yeah. Give me, yeah, hell yeah. Terry Peters there. Terry Peters 316. <laughs> that's a t-shirt. It's not called Terry Peters. <laughs> that's, a, that's a t-shirt and a pro yeah, If you want one, get in so. touch with us and we'll, we'll make a... <laughs> Peters 316. <laughs> Peters 316, so. Signed by himself. So anybody you want in uh, Aspen, Virginia... <laughs> Yeah, I uh, think Peter said he'll, he'll come around and personally hand deliver it. Yeah, yeah, you go. If you pay for my flights, if you uh, if you buy a t-shirt, Peter's will ring you up and, <laughs> and give you a hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all you in Ashburn, Virginia, who uh, we apologise to, when you want the signed photo of Terry Peters, you could be wearing the Peter's three sixteen top. <laughs> so let's submit your request, even though you know you're not Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah, are sorry about last week. Yeah, so, so sorry. Yeah, so uh, Stone Cold against oh, every week in the main event. <laughs> Stone Cold against Dude Love. Dude Love comes out first. Dude Love is obviously uh, Mick Foley, sort of the third face of Foley. So he's already been Mankind before that. He was uh, Cactus Jack. Uh, Lou, before we get into this match. Mick Foley, who do you prefer? Dude Love, Mankind, Cactus Jack, or Mick Foley himself? Uh, it's tough, isn't it? I really, I'm a big fan of, of Mick Foley in general, uh, mm. to be honest. I'm fond of, yeah, I think all three um, faces of Foley are really good. I, I, I've kind of got a soft spot for Dude Love because it's just so hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And the theme, tune's, the theme tune's absolutely brilliant. But I absolutely love that. I, I assume we'll cover it at some point. The the promo when he's, he's feuding with Triple H and he, he pulls the mask off and he goes, oh, I don't, mankind's never had a face you, but I know somebody who is. And then he pulls the mask off. It's like, it's Cactus Jack! Mainly because as a kid, I was so confused. I was like, well, what the hell's happened to mankind then? Because it's Cactus Jack under the mask and it took yeah. me a while <laughs> to figure out it was the same guy. But yeah, I think like mankind, because I've, I, he was in that era, I, I think I'll know him as mankind the most. Yeah. But it was exciting when he, when he pulled one of the out. And obviously he's, his match of Edge at WrestleMania 22 is one of my favourites of all time, and that's just him as, as playing old McFoley. Yeah, well, um, January we'll be doing that, the Royal Rumble, because it's my, one of my favourite matches of all time, Cactus Jack versus Triple H's Street Fight. Yeah. The best bit about that reveal is Triple H's reaction. 
It's like on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's so over the top, but it works so well. Tay Peters, four types of Foley. Who are you saying? I'm going to say Mankind purely because it's the one I remember the most. But Cactus Jack is a very close second, as is Mick Foley. Do love. It's. On, I've not seen many do love. I know, obviously, they're near enough one and the same in the way this, in the wrestling moves, but. You don't really see Doolove Love too much, and I feel as though he's the forgotten face almost, although he's still incredibly funny. Yeah, I would say Cactus Jack would be my favourite, closely followed by the real Mick Foley. Ooh. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh. I, I love Cactus Jack, but then I probably watched more wrestling where it was Mick Foley, because I think Commissioner Foley was hilarious. I mean, Commissioner Foley, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe not so much Raw GM Foley. No, um, early, but... early 2000s Commissioner Foley. Yeah. We had the short air. Great the stuff. Magic, magic Christian is just it's great stuff. Yeah, I'd probably say, I, you know, I liked early 2000s Mick Foley, but I, I think Cactus Jack maybe just, because, big, barely because I loved the feud of Triple H. And when it's in the uh, the Dungeon of Doom match in WCW as well, I imagine that's what you were going with that. The Dungeon of Doom match? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a big steel cage with an electric chair in the middle, and the, the winner's got to get the... I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, that's... chamber! No, sorry, chamber of horrors matches. That's getting um, when was that? With the, with the, it was that was like <laughs> mid nineties WCW. Do you, do you know a month? We'll let the listeners know. Well, that's all, that's all like, yeah. Stay yeah. tuned for that, guys. Yeah, it's around the same time as the uh, Tower of Doom. I think they're really they're really trying. <laughs> yeah, they was. Uh, <laughs> let it go. Love that match was crap. <laughs> Never. Yeah, so we've got Dude Love. Uh, Stone Cold making his uh, second appearance of the night. Comes out. Like, the pop's not as big because why would it be? They've already seen him. Just poor booking. Dude Love's attacks him before the bell. Starts off as a brawl, doesn't it? This is Stone Cold in the brawling phase. Mick Foley's a sick freak and loves a bump. Some great bumps. It's... So they go back to the bandstand. So. <laughs> where Jeff Jarrett was there and uh, Paul Bearer got hit with the guitar. Dude loved them things. I'll I'll make this better. I'll get chucked off it <laughs> onto the concrete, which no way. There's just, there's just no way you can do that without it hurting. On his back as well. Yeah, it looks awful, that. Yeah, is it is it a Mick Foley main event without a horrendous bump? Sick bump. There's one even worse. Yeah, I'm going to say that's not even yeah, the worst. That's, yeah. that's the second worst, isn't it? We'll get to that in a second. So uh, midway through the match, uh, Vince and, and the Stooges, uh, Briscoe and Patterson come down. They're just sort of at ringside for a bit. They're making a big deal. Like the last time Vince was at ringside was when he screwed Bret Hart out. I think Austin even says in the promo, um, the last time he was at ringside, he screwed someone else out of it because I was not mentioning, not mentioning Bret. Like, oh, jump way back to Owen Hart. Kept mentioning Stu Hart, but never mentioned Brett. They always mention mm. Stu. King's got some weird obsession with the Hart dungeon. Weird feud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's bizarre. He did feud at one point, didn't he? When he came to WWF, I'm sure he feuded with Brett Hart. Yeah, oh, he had the King did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he had a kiss my foot match with him. Yeah, because they had that as a as much, they didn't end up taking part in. Yeah. Because of um, reasons. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting that they kept mentioning the Hart family, but not Brett Hart. King always does it. It's bizarre. He's WCW at this point, isn't he? Yeah. I guess it's yeah, he's the main event star in the other company, isn't he? So yeah, I'm gonna mention why would you, uh... So yeah, Vince is at ringside. Um, he then goes off into chasing him. Who loves then obviously gets the um, 
advantage after that. Uh, puts him in an abdominal stretch. Vince is yelling at the uh, at the timekeeper to ring the goddamn bell. He doesn't. <laughs> um, which I'm glad because I'd have been so angry if it ended that way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know at the time, maybe not, but. 20 years later where you see it all the time it happens all the time and then you think he's dead and then they do it again the at least once at least once a year i think yeah, yeah. natalia and charlotte but they went yeah. when brat was there for no reason whatsoever and then oh christ yeah uh, he doesn't ring it then austin reverses gets out of it is a sickening suplex from Stone Cold onto Mick Foley. Well, dude, love. Sort of half on the concrete floor, half into the steps. <laughs> Horrendous. Would you agree? It was the worst and the one thrown off the bandstand. Yeah, and what was weird about it was JR's reaction was, that man has been broken in half. Which is like two months before he got through off the cell. Just I found it interesting that he'd used that line before. I thought it was kind yeah, of spontaneous like when he went out to sell. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an awful bump on it. It's he's just a complete freak, isn't he, Mick Foley in the in the pain that he takes. Oh, but there's a reason why he can't walk anymore. It didn't happen in this match, but the bump where he gets thrown into the steps and he hits it knees first. Oh yeah, he's done that a couple of times. It just looks horrible. Well, there was the when he was in WCW, he was famous for doing the elbow drop off the off the ring open onto the floor. I'm like, yeah. who does he think he is? Like, Matty Jones. Calm down. <laughs> Matty Jones. How you doing, Matty? I know, you, I know you're listening. <laughs> Are you pros, yeah? <laughs> I don't think he knows how to use podcasts. It'll be uh, <laughs> worth it to come on vinyl. <laughs> oh, you better hope you don't after that comment. <laughs> <laughs> they then start fighting in the crowd. Something you, you love to see. And then, of course, this is uh, the actual era. This is late night's wrestling, so there's a ref bump. <laughs> Fighting outside, uh, Vince tries to help Dudlove up, and then there's an absolutely sickening chair shot, which is un- right to the head, unprotected. You don't like to see it. Stone Cold hits the stunner on, on Dudlove, comes to free himself. The music's played. Stone Cold just walks off. And then after about two hours of Vince on the floor, <laughs> getting medical attention, they finally announced that Stone Cold has lost, but via DQ, so he keeps his championship. Uh, this is 18 minutes, probably a bit longer, with the um, Vince on the floor afterwards. Terry Peters, what did we think of the main event? I, I enjoyed it, to be fair. I thought it was really good the way they did it. The brawl, it was just a brawl, wasn't it? It was a complete and utter brawl. It was a fight, wasn't it? It was a fight more than a match. The chair shot was was brutal, but it wasn't the only chair, awful chair shot of the pay-per-view. There was also one that Kane took previously, which was, another, again, another unprotected head shot. But so this he, one... Yeah, if you watch like, sort of all wrestling back, Kane takes a lot of unprotected head shots. And considering, you'd think it'd be a lot more damage there than than what there is. It's not nice to see at well, all. He's, he's Why do you think you wore the mask? Well, yeah, it's, it's just... There's it, it no way of that not doing damage, surely. At the moment, it was mental scars. That's once it, that, they were the scars <laughs> that it had. So. But, um, but, yeah, that was a proper, proper brutal headshot. But it did make me laugh when Austin counts. And then they just play his music like he's won as well. <laughs> just incredible <laughs> so stuff. Weird. Incredible stuff. 
we get the the like sort of um, the commentary, so they can sort of explain things a bit like the uh, New Age Outlaws match. So we sort of hear Jr. saying why he's done the thing. The, the crowd have seen Austin stunner manga um, dude love count the ones over himself and then walk off, and the crowd probably thinking, yeah. "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, even I was thinking, "What the hell is going on?" Lou, what did you think of the uh, the main event? No, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a weird first defense, dude. Love, it's such a historic, you know, title changing. Yeah. Event. but it, yeah, well, Foley's always been a good worker. I think sometimes the because he does these big spots and these big bumps, like the actual like the nitty gritty of the the wrestling gets overlooked. But he is he is very good, and he made him look legitimate as well. Like when he had him in the mandible claw, he looked like he could he could have easily won. So I, I thought it was really good main event to be honest yeah yeah some, some sick bumps very very confusing ending i didn't like the fact that it hung on vince being injured for like what seemed like an attorney that seemed a bit odd yeah i didn't like that because uh on this very, pod- it, made, it made it a very flat ending to the show it didn't need to be yeah on this podcast i've praised wwf and wwe a lot for their closing shots well, for me, the closing shot should have been Austin. And yeah, go to Vince, but I've, the closing shot should be Austin on the ramp with a belt. Yeah, if you know, should have just post on that bloody stage that they've been using for half the show. But, you know, go to Vince and get the medical button. I get they're trying to do it legitimate, and Vince hadn't really been involved before, had he? No. But they I hung on him shows far too long. As well, doesn't it? Yeah, they, they just hung on him far too long. And it, yeah, I agree with you, Lou. It went, it went flat, didn't it? Yeah. Right at the end. But yeah, good, good main event. You gotta love the Stooges. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, you know. Um, black chairs, not blue chairs. So last yeah. week, last yeah, 2002, we had the old school blue chair. But even older now, we've, we've got a black, we've got black chairs. Must just depend on the venue, I guess. Yes, it was chairs to provide. Strange to see. Sort of stone cold in his not his infancy, but well, maybe he's, he wasn't. He was obviously over, but he wasn't stone cold. Stone cold, you know now. He wasn't the mega face, was he? That he yeah. Ah. I guess they picked Dude Love because he can lose and not be really affected by it. Mm-hmm. They'll just turn him back into and mankind. I was, I was his... thinking like there wasn't that many that many heels that were massively over. Yeah, well, else would you have picked? Yeah, Michael's Michael gone. Retired, and, and the Rock and Triple H, who's going to end up going feud him for the next year or so. They weren't at the level yet. So well, they, I think it was a good choice. Um, Rock and Triple H later on in this year have a great feud, don't they? Yeah. Sort of mix them both. But yeah, no. I, by they, the end of the year, The Rock is world champion. He wins the Savara Series this, in the deadly game. He's definitely champion in early 99, so probably, yeah. Uh, I think it's 98. This is a decent match. Uh, the pay-per-view as a whole, then. For me, this summed up... Attitude Era WWF. So, but the, one of the things that always gets thrown at WCW is their undercard was really good with the cruiserweights, but their main event was lacking. Whereas WWF, the undercard wasn't very good, and the main event was amazing. And this, for me, was sort of the epitome of that. I thought, bearing the first match, which I thought was pretty decent, and the two main events, I thought the rest was flat and. Could quite easily got rid of. Not the best pay per view. I'd maybe watch a couple matches again, but I'd never. I don't think I'd ever watch the full thing again. Uh, Terry Peters, what did you think of the the pay per view as a whole? Maybe give it a score out of ten. 
Uh, very average for me. I was like I said, I was quite disappointed. I do feel as though it was quite a transitional pay per view between the era previous to the Attitude era. Um, there wasn't enough strong characters in there that they hadn't built up at this point. You could see the signs of what was going to happen. I think it was with the type of matches and they were putting on and what happened in them. Overall, though, for me, I say I was quite disappointed by it after being quite excited to go to this period of time. Six and a half, I would say, for me, just because the last two matches picked up a bit. And I, although it was a bit slow in the middle, the Triple H Owen match was also quite. I enjoyed that as well as the first match. But yeah. for me, mainly the, the the main event, the two main events, have picked it up to a six and a half on this one. I'd agree with that. I think the two main events definitely saved it as a as a pay per view. Lou, what would you think? Seven. Seven. I I I quite enjoyed it to be honest. Even the middle, yeah. Even though it was it was so so dumb, <laughs> so dumb. I kind of enjoy that daft side of wrestling. Um, as you probably you know see. Obviously, I like the, the you know the dead serious stuff as well, like the Tower of Doom and things like that. But I also enjoy the uh, the daft side. So I thought it was quite a good. It was entertaining watch. It didn't feel like. I did look at the card before and think, how the hell is this going to last two and two two hours forty five minutes? I think it was. Yeah, yeah it was. So a long I, I thought all the in, in your house pay per views were were less than two hours, but I think that was when they were called in your house da 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 rather than yeah. This one was unforgiven in your house. But um, yeah, no, I I, I kind of I enjoyed it to be honest. So yeah, for the whole, I'd give it like if I had to give it a score, I'd give it like a, around a seven out of ten. It's not an all-time classic pay-per-view, but it, it wasn't a bad pay-per-view by any means. I think you could definitely see what they're going towards. and I, It's hard to watch in now when we know how good it all was. So back then, you probably maybe would have been excited to see what was next, how they're gonna, what they're going to do next. Um, so that was Unforgiven 1998, the first ever Unforgiven. A lot of firsts. So the sort of beginning of the Attitude Era is when they go to the Scratch logo, sort of Beginning of Stone Cold's run, first in Fairly match, regrettably the first evening gown match. <laughs> yeah, good pay per view on the whole. Next week on the Wrestling Around podcast, something a little bit different. So, one of all of our three favourite wrestlers of all time. He's uh, had a few mentions on the podcast already, hasn't he? It's William Regal's birthday. So, it's like the week we're recording it. So we're going to do a bit of a change. We're not going to go through his full career, because that would be here for about 10 hours. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're all going to pick yeah, two of our favourite matches and one of our favourite segments, because especially for Regal, sometimes the segments are better than matches. We're all going to pick two each. So, Lou, are you excited to sort of do a, a bit of a showcase on, on William Regal, change of pace for the for the podcast? Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited by just to go through his career. I mean, I, I imagine we're not going to cover as well as Spot Days, unfortunately. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if that is is saved anywhere, but we'll definitely be looking at his WCW and, and WWE runs for sure. Yeah. Um, I've got my two matches picked out already. So already, we'll have, yeah. We'll right. see. Um, I won't reveal them yet. I'll reveal them uh, on the podcast. Well, I guess yeah. I'll tell you two in advance because you know you need to watch them. But to our, our lovely listeners, uh, I'll, I'll reveal them on the podcast. Next week, and I definitely have my segment as well. Um, yeah, Regal, one of my yeah favorite wrestlers, underrated. When you look oh. at the top guys who should have been world champion, I know I, I, in the beginning of the show I was just like, you know, don't, no, everyone has to be world champion. But when you look at people who who should have been world champion, never quite made it. Regal's right up there, if not number one for me. 
There was, there was a point though where he tried his best not to win a world championship, on not they? I will probably cover that. And yeah. As sad as it is, yeah, there was he was he kind of he was his own worst enemy at times. Yeah, Peter's excited to cover Regal. Do you know your matches? If you do, don't tell us. Keep I don't. I don't know my matches yet. I think I've got an idea of my segment. Plus, probably right. an honourable mention if it's not if it's not brought up by you two. Regal's one of the people that, as a child, I didn't really appreciate him. As I've got older and enjoyed wrestling, um, I've appreciated him a lot more. He's uh, he's in my top five favorite wrestlers. I think <laughs> without a doubt. I don't know where. Maybe it is because we're English. I don't know. But... I think it was. But I remember when we were at school, and I were like, I was like ten or eleven. We used to hate Willie Regal. Yeah. We were like but... this guy's this guy's flying the flag for Britain, and he's being a right dick about it. And now, like later on, you think, oh, actually, that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's what them? I was like. That was the point. Yeah. It's, is it one of them? Yeah, you're supposed to hate him, aren't you? So really, yeah. he's done a good job, aren't he? Yeah. Especially then, you just yeah. take it face value. Yeah, you think he's embarrassed in our country, he's doing all this stuff, but like when you look back, you think, oh my god, this guy was brilliant. Yeah, well, I've um, I definitely know my segment, and <laughs> uh, but I haven't picked up on matches yet. I've got a good idea, but we'll we'll get to that next week. The week after that, we're doing a first on the the wrestling around pod, so we're going back to before any of us were even born. <laughs> We're going back to uh, WCW 1990. We promised it on an earlier episode. Capital Combat. Yes, this is the one with Robocop. <laughs> um, Lou, you, you're a WCW defender. You're a, a big fan. Can you defend this? <laughs> uh, no, this is going to be... I, I almost regret promising it because I think this is going to be a very, very long three hours watching this show. But at the same time, oh my god, I can't wait. How can you not do Robocop? Yeah, Terry Peters, are you excited for uh, for Robocop? Uh, yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> not now I've had it's bloody three hours as well. <laughs> it's not the fact, it's I don't mind long wrestling pay-per-views but for, something, good, for yeah. a product that I wasn't particularly bothered about, at a time when I wasn't even born, <laughs> long, a good two and a half years before I was born yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Although, to be a, fair... He's got the old red ass already, and we're two weeks before... <laughs> to, be, to, be, to be fair, there could be things in there that surprise me, so you never know. Yeah, well, you've got two weeks to get excited for it. <laughs> so that's in two weeks with the win, uh, Capital Combat 1990. Next week uh, is a, a showcase. Let's call it a showcase. A wrestling around showcase of William Regal. If it's there... Uh, We'll maybe double this for a few other wrestlers when it gets to their their birthdays, or sort of a significant event, maybe debuts or retirements. Thank you for listening, all you in Ashburn, Virginia. <laughs> if you're in Ashburn, Georgia, <laughs> um, thank you as well. Um, listen to last week's. <laughs> yeah. And it'll all make sense. Yeah, that's no one's fault, Lou. <laughs> I just can't. I can't, in my defence, I just can't. I can't read maps. Can't read maps. I didn't realise Georgia was that far south. How was I meant to know? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm reading a map. Yeah, right next to Florida. Who knew that? Oh, well, it's the deep south, Georgia, isn't it? I thought it was it's Eastern Europe. Eastern Europe. <laughs> well, yeah, it's good job we didn't get that one mixed up. <laughs> People will be puting a complaint if we uh, oh, <laughs> got that wrong. <laughs> That's awful. Um, Thank you to those of you in Boston, Massachusetts. It definitely is Boston, Massachusetts, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's Boston Lincolnshire. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Right, just you got to yeah, that low, do you? Um, thank you to you in Boston. Uh, maybe we'll do one on there. Uh, John Cena probably will at some point. Probably will. Probably do three or four as Cena. Yeah, thank you for anybody who listens to us. Then we we, we, we breach Canada this week. Yep. So we're now in England, Canada, and the US. Um, and South Africa. All of it. And, and South, South Africa. Africa. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Turkey, obviously. Twitter blew up on in Turkey. Um, don't know what happens. <laughs> don't, don't know how that happened. But the, what we said earlier, the rest of the Ron Pod is worldwide. The Peter's Posse, the uh, the Lou Weldon and the Big Ross Man. <laughs> We're taking over, brother. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need one more five star review. So Peters will start growing his rat tail, and, <laughs> and Lou Lou will wear his, a porridge outfit. Yep. Which will be up on our YouTube channel, hundred uh, percent. So that so we're resting around on iTunes. Just leave us a five star if you're listening right now, and you haven't done it already. Go on to iTunes. You don't even have to put a comment. If you want to put a comment and ask us a question, I'll say I don't like Terry Peters or I love Terry Peters or uh, I'm in actually Virginia, Louis idiot. <laughs> How dare you? Imagine getting really excited. Oh, Ashpin. Oh, is it us? No, oh, I said Georgia. I'll never mind. Yep. <laughs> I don't even apologize. Leave again. us a comment. Leave us a five-star review. It's not hard. You've only got to do it once. It really does help out. And then when you've done that, because you're in a, a, you're in a good giving mood, go go to Facebook and search Wrestling Around and follow us on there. And then go on Twitter and Instagram and, and at Wrestling Around and follow us on there. Absolutely great stuff. So not too much to do. Just just follow us on five different accounts. And yeah, and then when, if you've got a bit of spare time, you know, we're all in lockdown at the minute, we're not doing out, go to where uh, wrestling around at outlook.com and, <laughs> and and send us a question. Yeah. Uh, we, we need one more review for the Power Rangers <laughs> outfit and the rat tail. Yeah. If we get fifty reviewers, Lou will do it as Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh sorry, yeah. Lou's gonna take a step aside and Hulk Hogan will, will do the commentary in there. 50 reviews of Robles. They're not Rob. Who's Rob? Peters will turn to Luna Bichon. Can't get wrong. Hello, man. Terry Peters will step aside and Luna Bichon will take over. So I'll be doing a podcast. Well, an impression of Luna Bichon will. No, the the real thing. No, the she's Luna dead. Bichon. Is she dead? Ah, you sick She's dead. She's dead. Apologies to the Bichon family. Rest in peace, Luna Bichon. Where's, where's she from? She's actually from... Ashburn, Virginia. Ashburn, Virginia. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Weird. Uh, this week. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> well, in the words of uh, Noppel, the Norse got a flapjack. This is ruined. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what to say now. Um, Let's do the social media and just get out of here. Right? Yeah, yeah. Lou, where can we find Lou? Where can we find you on social media? Yeah, I'm at Lou Mac on all social media. I specifically use Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Terry, Terry Peters, where can we find you? Um, I'm at RobL92 and RL92. Not sure on which one's which because I forgot. Or oh, at Tez, Tez Peters on Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. It's all gone to shit. This is the longest we've lasted. About going wrong. It's all gone wrong. Um, <laughs> follow, 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 uh, <laughs> on Twitter. Um, I am at the Ross M on Twitter. What's your Instagram? Uh, at at Ress Around. You are Around. This is just Philip. Ah, he's gone. Join us next week where we'll uh, 
we'll be more coherent, hopefully. It's <laughs> a really regal. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the rest of the road post. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Terry. Thank you. Thank you. And we shall see you next time. Rest in peace, Lou Chan. Rest in peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.